we've just been singing about your throne. We've been singing about you reigning. We've been singing about your return. How we praise you. We've been singing about how you are our life. Lord God, I pray our hearts would just be joyous today in the fact that there is a creator who loves us and is for real. Lord, along with that, this is a special day. This is a special day for us to gather together as a church family. And it's a special day for us to celebrate moms. Lord, you know that days like this can bring a whole gamut of thoughts, a whole gamut of emotions. For many, Mother's Day is a day of joy gratefulness and sweet memories of one's own mother or grandmother. Sweet memories of being a mom. For some, it can be a hard day. It can be a hard day of remembrances of a lost pregnancy or a lost child, an abortion, or a dash dream of not being able to have a child or even the hurt of not having a mom that really was a loving mom. Lord, I pray that we bring it all right here to you before your throne. All the emotions, all the thoughts, all the joys, all the hurts. Because you are the perfect father you are the perfect creator and you are joy and you are also the great comforter you are holy and worthy Lord and we just ask you would show us yourself more of you this morning as we dig into your word more of you challenge us encourage us just more of you in Christ's name we pray Amen. As you're taking your seat, please take a hold of your Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 8. Yeah, Joshua chapter 8, Mother's Day. Uh, we're in the latter, the, uh, actually the last six verses of Joshua chapter 8. And ladies, I realize you may be thinking that, uh, hey, Doug, can we, uh, uh, we've been going through the study of Joshua. Can we like set aside the carnage and the killing and the swords and the things for Mother's Day today, and, and, and I can, and we are. I think we're actually at a, a perfect text uh, for what today is all about. Uh, secondly, uh, ladies, you may be thinking, you know, Doug, I, I know you've been using this slide on the screen a lot, and I appreciate that with these stud warrior dudes, but it is Mother's Day, and uh, could you, like, adapt that a little bit for us? Uh, and it's like, yep, can do, and, and I have. How, how's this? A little bit better, a little bit better. Warrior moms, super moms, uh, all really all ladies. Um, I just, behalf of the men here today, I just want to say thank you for who you are. And I also just want to say uh, today has kind of a special dedication to you. I'm going to be especially talking with you moms, you ladies. Um, 
today in it. Guys, this is not the time to kick back and kind of ignore and think, well, I'm out today because uh, I can just tell you this, your mother would not want you to do that. Um, as well as what we're studying today is very, very applicable to every one of us. Whether you have children or you don't have children, whether you're male or female, this is a text that hits all of us. Uh, we are in the beginning chapters of Joshua. We're going to continue through Joshua. We'll be there through the end of July. And um, we are really at this conquest point. And uh, so much of the conquest of the promised land is now happening. And, and really, if I were to sum it up, there's been three big events. Uh, one event and two battles that have been taking place. And the first is the crossing of the Jordan River. Big event, remember that? Half mile back, Ark of the Covenant walks out. Just God does a work. And then the, the people walk across during the flooding stage of the Jordan River. And man, what, what an amazing big God event. The second major event was the Battle of Jericho. Remember Jericho? It's the, uh, really God is the warrior. Uh, the people go and they walk around, shh, quiet, six days, and, you know, except for the ram's horn blowing, and they walk around Jericho for six days, and then on the seventh, they walk around seven times, and then they all yell. I don't know if you were here. Remember yelling together? I still love that moment. Um, and doing that and the walls, that was really about God as the warrior. Then we come to the battles of Ai. There were really two. The first one didn't go so well. There was a problem in the camp. Uh, the second one obviously went much better with that. And, and those are really the three big events, the three big battles. And, and those are very, very important because after all, those battles are what making up the conquest. Those battles are what making up the conquest war. Or are they? Are those three events really the war? Uh, I, I today... Um, would ask you the question, are the battles of life the real war? I would argue, actually, the battles of life are not the real war. The battles of life can show the war, but the battles aren't the war. In fact, uh, let me take a moment here to try and uh, help us remember what we've studied so far through Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 uh, we've seen the call to prepare your provisions. It was get ready. We're, we're, we're going to go into battle or across the Jordan and, and all that's encompassed with taking of the, the promised land. And the people had the opportunity to say, uh, no, thanks. Don't want to do that. Prepare your provisions was really a call to obedience. Are you going to do, do this Yahweh's way or are you going to do it your way? Along with that happening at the time was the whole Joshua chapter 3, the consecrate yourselves. What does consecrate yourselves mean? What was happening there? God told them right before the crossing of the Jordan River that uh, he told them, listen, go consecrate yourselves. What, that, that, that is, that's a hard event. That's a, basically, you come before me and I want for you to analyze where are you at? Where are you at before the Lord? That was a worship event. That was a heart event. Uh, then they cross the Jordan. They get to the other side of the Jordan. And we find chapter 4. It's about the, the 12 stones and building the memorial or the memorials that, that, that come out of that. Well, what's that all about? Well, that's all about them remembering that God was the warrior there. They could have taken credit, maybe not for very long may not stuck around for very while, but they could have taken the credit. 
I actually think the war is happening before and after all of the battles. Let me go on with it. Before Jericho. What happens before the battle of Jericho? Well, the uh, chapter 5, the flint knife comes out. <laughs> Talking about an act of obedience. That was an act of obedience. God had said, I, I want to remove the reproach from the past. And then a few days later, they have the Passover. What's the Passover about? The Passover is about, is about remembering the covering work that the blood does. That's all before Jericho. And then by the way, in chapter five, it's also, remember Joshua falling down before what I think is the pre-incarnate appearance of Christ? The angel of the Lord, the, the, the military leader of the Lord, if you will, that's being talked about there, face to the ground. What would, my, what would my Lord have his servant do? Joshua could have taken credit for everything. Joshua could have said, no, these are my people, my thing, I'm doing it my way. But what's happening here before the battle of Jericho, all of that's happening. This is a heart war that's going on. Then uh, before the second attack at Ai, what takes place? Well, chapter seven, wow, that was intense. Achan's sin, and then they have to deal with that sin. Listen, they didn't do that with like, this is awesome. That must have hurt big time to go through the process of actually stoning uh, that, that whole thing. I just don't even want to go back there. But yet in that, that's a hard event. Are we going to do life God's way or are we going to do life our way? And then after the attack of Ai, and God shows up, and the really Ai is the very first battle that the Israelites were involved in. They were actually the warriors in this battle. Jericho, God was the main warrior doing the work. This is the one where he said, you guys go and you take it. And by the way, you can have all the spoils from it as well. What happens after that battle? The six verses we're going to read today. Here's what I'm trying to get at, friends. Moms, we can get lost in the battles. But the war is the war that's for your heart. Today I want to encourage you. And today I want to challenge you amongst the war. That the war is the war for your heart. Last six verses, chapter eight. You there? Should be. It's been 10 and a half minutes. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter eight, verse 30. We're gonna take it two verses at a time. And we start at the altar. Look at this. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, a servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord, and they sacrificed peace offerings. Let's pause there and talk about it. When did this happen? Well, we know that this happened after the battle of Ai, um, but there's some interesting realities here because verse 29 that we went up to last Sunday, uh, that's all war scene. Verse 30 is all of a sudden a worship scene. What's happened here? Well, from verse 29 to verse 30, there's actually been some time that's taken place because these people have moved 20 miles north. 
They've moved 20 miles north to the area right around what nowadays is Shechem at the time. And, and there, we moved up there. And so all the people moved after the battle of Ai up to this area. That took a little bit of time. How much? I don't know. Uh, it's not the important part. But they move up here uh, from the war. And now they're in a worship scene. And there it says, the text tells us that they're at Mount Ebal. And that's in the central hill country of that region. And there's uh, Mount Ebal and there's Mount Gerizim uh, that surround the city of Shechem. You can see some pictures, uh, hopefully, that are clear for you, enough clear for you. You can get some panorama that in the middle of these, this is, these are modern-day pictures. In the middle of these, you can see uh, one of the hills over here, that's uh, Mount Ebal. And then uh, you can also see over here is Mount Gerizim. This one is less panoramic. Panoramic has that way of stretching the middle out, so it seems like a, a real wide span. But this one actually is more represented. See how kind of those two areas like, like form? This is literally, diameter-wise, a one-mile amphitheater that's naturally built and they would come up here and this is they're in this area so uh, when it's talking about building an altar on mount ebal it's uh, on one of those mounts that that is there and in this natural amphitheater and joshua builds an altar and it says he builds an altar to the lord uh, this is a worship scene, and you can see this other picture over here. It's, it's a little bit rough, but uh, in that, that is actually a picture present day uh, at Mount Ebal, and there is this square thing there that uh, some say that that is actually the altar that Joshua built. Uh, some say they're not quite sure, but I just want for you to kind of get a little bit of a sense on that, on what's going on. They come up to this area. They're in this natural amphitheater uh, carved out in the in the earth earth, if you will. And on one of these mounts, Joshua builds an altar to the Lord. This is becoming a worship event. And uh, we see in the text, it says it's made of uncut stones. Burnt offerings are given. Burnt offerings are where a lamb is sacrificed and the whole uh, the animal, the whole animal is put on and the whole animal is offered up. And then in the text, it also says that there, there are uh, peace offerings. Some of your versions say fellowship offerings. And what that is, is they would take a portion of the animal and put it on for an offering, a sacrifice, and then actually kind of, you know, the, the steak, the, the better part of it, they would keep and have a big feast. That's why some of your versions call it the fellowship offering. This was actually an exciting time. This was a celebration time. They had just won their first war, if you will, where they were the actual warriors. God said, you go fight it out. And God working through them had that. And then they move up to this area and they are rejoicing under the Lord. Here's the point. They're taking that victory and they're taking it, I'm going to call it, to the altar. And making this a God-glorifying, altogether, lift the name of the Lord high moment. Because even if we are engaged in the battle, the Lord still is winning the battle. Uh, along with this, let's just get a little bit of perspective. Turn over maybe about a dozen pages to the left in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter tw uh, 27. Deuteronomy 27. Because this event is spoken of here. This is about some 40 years earlier, 40 years plus earlier. And uh, chapter 27, pick up in verse 1. Moses is speaking. And now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, Keep the whole commandment that I command you today. And on that day you cross over the Jordan... You got that? He's speaking about in the future. Cross over the Jordan to the land that your Lord your God is giving you. You shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster. 
Verse 3, and you shall write on them all the words of this law when you cross over to enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, you shall set up these stones, concerning which I command you today on Mount, where? Ebal. And you shall plaster them with plaster. Got the idea on the plaster stuff? Verse 5, and there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall wield no iron tool on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones. And you shall offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God, and you shall sacrifice peace offerings, and shall eat there, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, and you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. How cool is that? Some 40 years earlier, Moses had said, this is what's going to happen at this place. And guess what's happening? Uh, That. (laughs) Exactly that. I just want to take a moment side trail. The dots of history connect. God is not making this up as he goes. God knows exactly what's taking place, exactly what's happened, and the things connect. And the point all the way back from when Moses is speaking, it's happening here now. It's just very, very cool. And and so these people, God's people, they experience this mighty victory at Ai, and here they are taking it, taking the victory to the altar. How cool. Why? Why are they doing that? Well, because they were told to. Yeah, they were told to, but I'll put it this way. Because... Thus, this is the place where the center of the war happens. Put it this way. Right now, what's happening at Shechem, around Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, this is the heart of the war. This is the real heart of the war. I mean, the battles are important. Do understand that. I'm not saying battles aren't important in life, but the battles are not the ultimate issue. The ultimate issue is at the altar before the Lord. What does it look like there? And we tend to get so caught up in all the battles of life, don't we? I mean, all of us do. Moms, you know that especially. Uh, getting caught up in the battles of the various things of the a child not sleeping or sick or having his fits or, you know, the obedience issues or the uh, uh, sibling fights or home stresses or work stresses that are going on or money stress or carpooling stresses or feeling underappreciated or sleep deprivation or the aches that are experienced from Maybe having an adult child that is making some sad decisions. Those battles are important, but they are not the war. They're not the war. The war is happening in your heart. And I just want to ask as you are right now and just in this last week and with what's on the table of your life right now, are the battles What are driving you? Or is the who my Lord is, is what driving you? We get caught up in the battles and lose sight of the war. And now right now, I'm sure that there are some moms saying, that sounds nice, but that's not a very easy thing to do. I mean, I'm so busy. Uh, Let me just bring a couple notes up at the text. Number one, Joshua built the altar. 
God could have already had something made right there for him. I would say Joshua's a busy guy. I really would. And so Joshua here, he comes into this whole thing and, and God could have had an altar already made all for him, but God said, no, no, you build the altar. Pfft, come on, I got like a, two million people I'm in charge of. No, you, you do it, dude. And so he builds an altar. On top of that, here we understand that what's, what's happening at this place. It's a sacrificial giving up. I would just also say in all of this that it's the type of thing to where, hey, uh, getting time before the Lord at the altar in a dedicated, serious, significant kind of capacity like this, it takes sacrifice. And I realize that. But that's part of the worship. I would even say this, ladies, that may mean that you got to give something else up to be able to do this. But listen, this is where the war is at. By the way, guides, uh, dads, husbands, I'd like to Ephesians 5 you just for a moment. Ephesians 5 talks about husbands in, uh, in the latter half of the chapter. It actually talks about husbands in there. And, and one of our jobs, one of our tasks is to be betraying ourselves. And that includes the fact of preparing our wife for her presentation before the Lord. I'd like to bring that in this. Dads, are you giving your wife the opportunity to go to the altar? Are you? And that doesn't mean time so she can just go shopping. That's, that's fine too. But I'm also talking about time where she can just get alone with the Lord and have the time. Ladies, you need to do that. Guys, we need to do that and we need to help each other be able to do that in real life. That's the reality. I love this. Here they are at the altar. They're taking their victory there. They're taking their battles there. That's where we're to go. At the altar. Secondly, next two verses. What's happening at the altar? I love this. They're confirming their identity. Verses 32 and 33. And there, and there in the presence of the people of Israel, a very public, very community, he, Joshua, wrote on the stones. He wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native born. By the way, got to pause right there. Sojourner. That means Rahab and her family were there, by the way, if you've been here through the series. How sweet is that? This one city prostitute is now right there at the altar before the Lord. Oh. So sweet. Oh, and all Israel, sojourner, as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. You got the scene going on here? The scene is, is essentially, I think what's happening is the ark of the covenant is down in the middle of all this. It's down right in the heart city of Shechem that would be nowadays. It's right down down there, the priests are around it. Half of the people are on one side towards uh, Mount Gerizim. Half of the people are on one side toward uh, Mount Ebal. And this whole thing's happening. And Joshua has this altar up on Mount Ebal. And this whole scene is going here. And what's, what's taking place here at this? Joshua's writing out, the text tells us, the copy of the law of Moses. Why? 
I mean, that seems so redundant. I could just see the picture of the little boy, you know, at the, at the chalkboard. I won't do that again. I won't do that again. This just seems like punishment. What's going on here? Joshua is actually be asked to copy the law of Moses. Now, there's a discussion about that. You know, some say, well, it's the Ten Commandments. But uh, listen, I think this is way more than that, as we'll see as the text goes on. I mean, Joshua is writing this stuff around this. And if we go back and think to Deuteronomy 27, uh, Moses said, build this altar of uncut stones, plaster it, And I think what's taking place here is Joshua is actually going in there and writing in with his own font, writing in on this, the copy of the law of Moses. This was not a three-minute event. This, This wasn't like, you know, copy, paste, print, and stick. This was like scrape it out, make it happen, uh, writing it down. Uh, Listen, this confirms identity at the altar. What's the altar? The altar is everything that the God inspired uh, uh, words that the Lord gave Moses to, to write down. I'm putting them down. This altar before the Lord, we're about that. If you want to know one picture, essentially, of what those people were about, take a look at the, if you will, at the altar with the words written on it. That's what we're all about. And the battles come out of that. This is the heart of the deal. This is the heart of everything that's happening here. I mean, it's, it, it, by the way, it's in their own words, their own font. I mean, they're, they're putting out their own words, uh, not made up, but reprinting it. It's like this. I'm not saying uh, what they're not doing is going, you know, these old ancient words that have been written, uh, we're about them. That's not happening. What's actually happening here is these old ancient words that have been written in the past, we're putting them down and we're making them ours as well. Those old ancient words are now our words printed in our font on our altar and they're our stuff. This this is about claiming identity. This is about writing what you are all about on the altar. I just love this. It's, it's like, this is their constitution. I'm restating it nowadays. I'm declaring it. This is our destiny. This is what defines us. And this is what defines the war. And they're doing it in community. Moms, I want to ask, what is the foundation of your identity? What is the foundation of your identity, ladies? Men as well? Is it your career? That's who you are? Is it your house? Is it it your bank account? Is it the car you drive? Is it how you look? And on this Mother's Day, I would ask this. Is your identity your children? When it comes right down to it, is that your identity? And I'm talking whether they're young or old. Your identity as a woman, your identity as a mom. Is it caught up in whether your, your, your kids act the right way? Are the good moral kids in town? Is your identity wrapped up in their artistic capability? 
Are you, is your identity wrapped up in the fact that they can quote more verses than Janie's boys can? Those may be okay battles to fight and to work for. But do know this, there's going to come a day when we stand before the Lord and the kids are not going to be there in that meeting with the Lord. And the question is, is what is your identity there? What is your identity? Is it this? Is your identity in Jesus Christ? Or is your identity somewhere else? Because I want to love you enough to say, if it's somewhere else, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be hurt, and you're going to have a hard life. But when your identity is placed in Jesus Christ, I'm not saying it's easy. But I am saying, that's the right spot. I might even ask you, ladies, maybe today or this week, you get alone and you open your Bible and you reconfirm your identity. And I might even practically suggest this. Maybe you go and you go to the book of Ephesians and you in your own handwriting, you write out chapters one and chapter two. By the way, we're going to read that at the end of our time today. I'm not talking about go and, and grab a font and cut and paste. I'm talking about maybe just here like Joshua did in his own handwriting. What's been written here, that's my identity as we read that here in a little bit. That's who I am in Christ. If I know Christ is my Savior, that's who I am. And the battles of life, now they fall into place because the truth of the matter is the battles of life reveal my heart. The battles of life really reveal what the war is like on the inside of me. At the altar, confirming their identity, last two verses. This is cool. Declaring it out loud. Verse 34. And afterward. And after what? Well, I could say, and after consecrating themselves, after crossing the Jordan River, after Passover, after the 12 memorial stones, uh, after uh, preparing for Jericho, flint knife, um, after the battle of Jericho, after the, uh, the praise of God after Jericho, after the loss of the battle of Ai, uh, after the realization that there's sin in the camp, uh, chapter 7 that we saw, after, after dealing with sin in life and that hard situation, after then uh, the Lord saying, go do the battle at Ai and seeing victory in that battle at Ai and now coming back and then now after Joshua building an altar, after the ark coming down, down in the center, the priests gathering around it, all the, the, the people, half the people on one side, half the people on the other side, after having moved up to the area of Shechem around these two hills. After all that, verse 34, after that, he, Joshua, read all the words of the law. He didn't just scrape them out, but he read them out. He read uh, the blessing and the curse According to all that is written in the book of law, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones. Moms, right now you're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
What do you do with the little ones while they're doing the reading? And the sojourners, including Rahab and her family, who lived among them. After all that, after everything that happened, they read it. They read it out. And the way the text goes along, this wasn't reading of a summary book. Uh, those of you who have a little bit more age on you, it's like they weren't reading the yellow printed cover cliff note version. They, uh, they weren't reading the law of Moses for dummies. They were reading the law of Moses that was written down. I mean, the whole thing, the whole deal. And all of them were there. And as the text talks about, not a single word was left out. And I love this. And not a single person left out. So community, so together. And by the way, note in verse 34, the reading includes the blessing and the curse. I'd like for you just to go back to uh, Deuteronomy 27 again, just real quick. It's about 12 pages to the left in your Bible or I don't know, a couple swings of your finger across your digital Bibles. Uh, Deuteronomy 27. I just want to make a reference, uh, chapter 28 actually. When you look at chapter 28, there's two headings there in 20, at least in my Bible. Those aren't, uh, those aren't the inspired. They're just to kind of help us grab some places. In mine, it says at the top of 28, blessings for obedience. Then a little further down, there's a heading that says cursings for obedience. So after this talk of the altar, then uh, Moses goes in to talks about blessings and cursings. Take a little bit more to the left of Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. I just want to read a few verses to you. Moses here is saying in verse 26, Deuteronomy 11, he says, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go, to, uh, to go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, uh, that's now in Joshua 8, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. I won't go into the details of that, but you got the picture. Uh, are they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road, toward the going down of the sun, in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah, opposite Gilgal, beside the oak of Morah? For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and all the rules that I am setting before you today. Hey, I just want to say this. One of the things I love about God is his clarity. God tells us things that we're to do. And God also tells us things that we're not to do. I mean, it's not like go figure him out. God clearly tells what to do. I love that about the Lord. Like, just do this stuff. This is what I ask. Not only is it your glory to me, but it's good for you. Yeah, why is it that we push back? Why is it that I don't want to do what God asked me to do? Why is it that that bothers me that God tells me to do something and I'm like, who are you? And God also, I love the fact that he says what not to do. Like, don't do that stuff. When you, that stuff does not bring me glory. And by the way, it's not good for you. And yet I want to do it. Why? Because that's the war. That's the war. 
The battles live out of the war within my heart. I want to do life according to my blessings and according to my giving cursings. (laughs) But God says, no, do it my way. This is the war. That's what's happening here. And out on the table, while they're in Joshua chapter 8, they read the blessings of the Lord. Listen, when we obey the Lord, there's blessing. And when we disobey, God loves us enough to try and bring us back. Declaring it out loud. Not just holding it in, but saying it, living it, and doing it out loud. At the altar, confirming their identity, and declaring it out loud. Moms, there is a war after your heart. And in the stress of all the battles of taking care of children, taking care of husband, if that's your setting, working through life, you can get lost on what the real thing is about. I want to lovingly call you back. Listen, the battles are important, but go to the altar. It's at the altar. It's when you have your heart keyed in on the Lord. And I just, maybe today you've realized I've gotten off track. I've just gotten off track. I just want to call you back. Listen, get with the Lord. Get this right. Recenter yourselves. That's the war. A relationship between you and God. That's the thing. The other stuff's important. But this is the key. This is the key. Don't be a mom that wins some battles but loses the war. I would like for us to finish trying to live out a bit of the scene. Grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, please. And would you all stand? I would just like for you to image in your mind, you are the half before Mount Gerizim. The other half is, she's looking at you. (laughs) The other half is on the other side of the people of Israel. And they wrote this on the altar and then it was read aloud. And I would like to be as a New Testament believer in Christ, if you will, I would like to read you two of my very favorite chapters of Scripture. It'll take a little bit, but that's okay. Hey, if you know Christ, what we're about to read, this is your identity. And this rocks. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he has chosen us and in before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through the blood, forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have an obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, what is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonplace of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came, and he preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. you know Christ that's your identity Lord God I want to thank you that our identity is not based upon our career Oh, what a joke that would be God I want to thank you that our identity is not to be based upon money it's just all going to go and Lord it's even hard to say this at times but our identity for those who have children our identity is not based on our children oh we love them dearly with our lives. But ultimately, Lord, there is a war that's going on within our very own hearts. And oftentimes, the events of life and the battles of life draw our attention away from what's the real war that's going on within our heart. Are we going to choose our way or your way? Lord God, I might ask this morning that we might drive a stake in the ground and just say this week, more of your way. More of Yahweh's way this week for your glory. More of your way.
at the altar, confirming our identity and saying it out loud. May we live it out loud at the altar. In Christ's name we pray.